Gentlemen, I just want to tell you all, good luck. And don't call me Shirley. This week we watched Airplane. We are the film fellas. We watch movies you love, hate, or have never heard of, and then we talk about them. I'm Greg, and art is being able to shout theater in a crowded fire. I'm Nick, and I'm the youngest. I'm Caleb, and I'm the proud owner of a deerstalker hat. Let's get into it. So welcome to the program. We are the Film Fellows, like I said. This week we are sans Robbie, but we'll try to plug along. This forever week we in our watched hearts. Forever in our hearts. Amen. This week we watched Airplane from 1980, directed by Jim Abrams, David Zucker, and Jerry Zucker. They also wrote it. Hot off their previous writing credits for Kentucky Fried Movie. Let's get into our one-sentence summary. Caleb. All right. Say what you will about the flight, but at least our luggage got there on time. <laughs> it's Sharknado, but it ends well. well kind of. What? <laughs> what? It's a spoof. Airplane disaster with wacky shenanigans. More factual than it is funny. So you know <laughs> we need that. We need someone to anchor this thing down. There you go. We're missing Robbie today, so. We're missing Robbie. I think we all feel it. So this movie is based on a film from 1957 called Zero Hour. The Zuckers and Jim Abrams like to record late night commercials and do parodies of them in their theater show, Kentucky Fried Theater. And one day they recorded this movie off of TV, Zero Hour, and they basically just took this script and added jokes. There's lines of dialogue that are exactly the same. Scenes are exactly the same. Characters are exactly the same. If you want to look, you can Google uh, Zero Hour versus Airplane, and it'll do side-by-side comparisons of scenes and everything. And they just punched it up with jokes and wacky gags and good times. Let's get into the... Thank you. (laughs) Let's get into the summary. I will start. The movie opens with a Jaws parody where you see clouds and you hear, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, and the tail of an airplane is flying, going in between the clouds, and it eventually flies off. The title comes up, Airplane! So we're at an airport, and we see all of our main characters, not introduced, just kind of showing up, walking into the terminal, and going about their flights. Fellas? We have our main character, Stryker, come out of a cab, and he was an ex-military pilot, and he runs to find his flight attendant girlfriend, or ex-girlfriend, Elaine. And a bunch of jokes ensue as they go through the airport in order to get to the plane. Elaine gets on the plane because, of course, she's, on, she's a flight attendant, but Stryker doesn't have a ticket. So he panics and goes by as a ticket. It starts smoking. It's crazy. He gets on the plane. They take off. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or Roger, is the pilot. And also a guy from the original Mission Impossible miniseries. Fellas. Wow. So the plane takes off. All seems okay. Plane's going to head into some bad weather further on, but they're aware of it. Everything's going to be okay. But then suddenly passengers and crewmen alike start just collapse and bent over double with uh, some, a bad stomach bug. No one quite knows what to do. And then all the pilots, they all collapse, fellas. So the flight crew goes to see if there's a doctor on board. And they find one who was played by Leslie Nielsen. And through some deduction, they find out that everyone who had the fish dinner is getting sick, violently ill. And that includes the entire flight crew, the pilot, the co-pilot, and the navigator. So now they have the autopilot engaged and they got to find a pilot, anybody that can fly the plane who's a passenger, fellas. 
Stryker can fly the plane, but he has past trauma from the war, so he's very hesitant to fly the plane. He ends up telling his whole life story to the, everyone next to him about him and Elaine, and they do a spoof on... Saturday Night Fever. Sa- <laughs> yes. Friday Night Fever. With, it used to be John Travolta. <laughs> I forgot the name of it. <laughs> and then an old lady hangs herself because she hates it. While he's has to do it, eventually there's an autopilot that comes up, and he's an inflatable guy, and it's amazing. Uh, fellas... All right, meanwhile, the, uh, the tower and the ground crew in Chicago are frantically trying to figure out someone who can get on the radio and tell Stryker how to land the plane. So they get someone, they drive him all the way back to the airport, and now it's all up to, to Ted Stryker to land this plane, just all by himself. Everyone in the plane is counting on him. Meanwhile, various vignettes are going on within the plane, and no one's really having a good time. Fellas. So Stryker has never flown a four-engine plane like they have. He's only flown you know, military planes, and he hasn't flown in six years. So the guy that they get to talk him down is his old commander from the war, who he doesn't really care for. So there's this tension there. Stryker is in the pilot seat, and Elaine is in the co-pilot seat, working the radio while he's trying to fly. Fellas. They end up landing the plane, but a bunch of hijinks ensue while the plane is landing. One guy ends up turning off the lights to the runway, but it was all a joke. The landing gear ends up breaking when they land, and it totally skids out, but they land safely, and everyone lives happily ever after. Fellas, that's sort of it. Yeah, that's kind of it. Uh, also, Ted and Elaine get back together. Yeah. That's nice. And, and that's all there is to say. Uh, and then the autopilot flies the plane back up into the air. Probably going to Costa Rica or someplace nice. <laughs> All right. Good job, us. This film stars Robert Hayes, Julie Haggerty, Leslie Nielsen, Robert Stack, Lloyd Bridges, Peter Graves, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, etc. The conceit they wanted to do with this movie is they wanted to play it straight so they got all these dramatic actors, not comedic actors. These are generally the first comedic roles a lot of these people have played. And they really like latched on to it's funnier if you play it straight with this ridiculous dialogue and the punchy jokes at the end that are going around in the background. And I think it really worked. I, I agree. It sort of, you can feel it as you're watching the movie. Like this person seems just very serious. It doesn't really seem like they're into this goofy stuff, but it really does work. And it's, it's a very funny movie. Yeah. Leslie Nielsen at this point, his career was like, felt like it was going to be over because he kept doing these dramatic disaster movie films and he felt like he wasn't like being used to his full potential. But then they had him do this and he turned into a comedic icon at the time just because of his delivery of all the jokes. You know, he had a career resurgence as a comedic actor. Exactly. So uh, let's talk about our favorite jokes, fellas. I know it's going to be rough, but tell me your favorite jokes in the movie. Let's start with Nick. Mine are like <clears throat> right in the beginning just because... I've heard them so many times, but I still laugh at them. The first is there's these announcers on the comms talking about where you should park. And it's like, mm-hmm. park in the red zone for unloading. Do not stop in the white zone. Then a girl comes on, stop in the white zone for loading and unloading. Do not park in the red zone. And they start bickering over the intercoms. So the girl on the phone who's all about the white zone just says, so you want me to have an abortion, don't you? And the red guy ends up going, it's the best medically and it's safe. And everyone's just like loading and like going onto the airport as it should be while this is going on on the overcoms and no one reacts to it. And then it's a good joke. It's like one of the first jokes too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and the pilot really of the crew, um, Captain Clarence, he ends up going to a bunch of, like a bunch of phones. One's like two are gray, one's white, and one's red. He gets on the white phone. Courtesy phones. And the first phone just says other phone. So he has to put it down, go to the red phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's um there's a clinic that's called the Mayo Clinic. And it's uh this girl has to have a heart transplant, so she's going on the plane. And in the background, when it flashes to the dude who is in the Mayo Clinic, he just has a bunch of mayonnaise behind him. And then he has to transfer his <laughs> line to Captain Ham. So yeah, he ends up saying, Give me ham on five, hold the mayo. <laughs> and it was spectacular. That's like the first five minutes of this movie. Exactly. Yeah. Caleb, what is your favorite joke in the whole film? Great wordplay. The joke that will get me again and again is pretty much the climax of the movie when the plane is getting ready to land and there's this one lady who just can't take the pressure and she starts snapping and it's the conga line of people who are just shaking her and slapping her. You got to hold, take a hold of yourself. Come on, get a grip on yourself. And they just slap. And then they show the whole line of people who've got like baseball bats and crowbars and like swords and stuff. And they're just getting ready to knock some sense into her. That is my favorite joke. It is so funny. I've seen this movie like maybe three times. And that joke gets me every time. I think it's the part of the the best one-two punch in the whole movie. Is then it goes back into uh, back into the airport where Rex Kramer is like fighting off all these religious zealots. Directed yeah. <laughs> action sequence first. What seems like a pretty low budget movie. Yeah, that was pretty good. What you kids might not know, before nine eleven, you used to be able to just go in and out of the airport, like right up to the gate. So you would have all these religious zealots trying to get donations and hassle people at the airport. Dang. I missed that part. I was born out. My favorite. What about you, Greg? What about you? My favorite joke in the whole movie involves the flight crew. So you have your captain, Captain Clarence Over, (laughs) the co-pilot, played by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Roger Murdoch, the navigator, Victor Baster. So they're they're going through their pre-flight check and they're checking with the tower and they're doing a lot of... uh, you're cleared for this. Check out the thing. Blah blah blah. And they keep saying, "All right, you are cleared for you're cleared for that, Roger." And Roger turns and goes, "Huh?" <laughs> Every time he says "Roger" to confirm what he's talking about, uh, he turns and goes, "Huh?" He goes, "All right, we're gonna we're ready. We're ready on our, our heading." Over and <laughs> over goes, "Huh?" <laughs> and then right as they're about to take off, <laughs> the co-pilot says, uh, "We have clearance, Clarence." And the pilot says, "Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor?" And that's a great use of wordplay. It's very Marx Brothers and like just the snappy wordplay. I, I really love that kind of kind of joke. Yeah, it's, I think that is just like the line from this movie. Uh, and from my perception, it's pretty much like one of those iconic lines. Yeah. That it cements itself in history because of it. Yeah, that one's, that one's good. So for this movie, we don't have uh, Robbie this week, so we can't really talk about themes. Mm-hmm. So I say we just kind of go through and maybe discuss jokes, discuss character, just have a good good time with this one. Okay. Be loose, crackle eyes, and so Robbie really have any good questions time. for you beyond what the jokes are because all this movie is is jokes. Exactly. <laughs> I told you the uh, history. Really briefly, do we want to talk about jokes that like don't hold up to today's modern sensibilities? We could. Like, Nick, you have an opinion on that? Well, I think they hold up as long as you're not like looking to be offended by them nowadays. Because when you have to watch these old movies, you have to realize that it was a different time. But like the African-American men on the plane who are speaking jive, where no one can understand them because they're like speaking almost Ebonics. 
and you have to get like an old lady to come translate it. It's sort of like insensitive. And um, a Japanese guy, he commits harikari, and mm. then an Indian guy is going to light himself I on fire. I think the joke with the old lady, though, is that the white old lady <laughs> is the one that can speak jive. I thought that was pretty funny. You know, I've been thinking a lot about cancel culture recently, and I know it's weird, but, you know, in the midst of all of this, people have been getting canceled left and right. And it just seems like, you know, nothing's untouchable, which I think with art, it sort of demands a relooking. So in some things, we just sort of turn a blind eye to. And Airplane sort of seems to be one of these, because as Nick said, some of these jokes, they do not hold up well, uh, particularly uh, in terms of race. You know, you have the, the, the gentleman on the plane speaking jive. You have the, uh, the, the Japanese soldier killing himself in a ceremonious way. And, uh, you know, you have some various stuff like that. And also some, there are some jokes where, like, there's this boy who's just sort of creeping on some ladies, checking them out in a rather insensitive way. So, so there's stuff like that. But there are, all, there are also some really uh, good and wholesome jokes in this one, too. So I was just wondering, you know, where do we stand? Us two white guys and a, a miscellaneous where do we stand on the on the wokeness of this show? I don't know about like me like not liking jokes because they've aged differently, but some of them are just like I looked at them like that would not be very acceptable. Even with the co-pilot like breaking off and then like going to grab Elaine's boobs while I was like flying around the cabin, even though it's like a blow up yeah, thing, nowadays, it'd, yeah, it'd be like making fun of sexual assault or sexual harassment, even though it's a blow up doll. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There were a few racially insensitive jokes, but I never felt like they were mean spirited. Yeah, it doesn't feel like they're they're really out to oust any sort of particular group. Seems as if yeah. they make fun of most people. For a movie that came out in 1980, this could have been a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm always like when he goes to the Peace Corps and he like makes a basketball hoop for the Africans and they like start dunking on him right away. I always feel like that was sort of yeah, like Yeah, I feel like that was worse than the jive jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she starts doing a Tupperware party when usually the stereotype is like, it's hard for them to like keep food for a long time. So it's like, you can keep your hot dog buns clean for weeks. Oh, see, I saw that joke. We're introducing them to culture and culture is a Tupperware party. <laughs> 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 I didn't see it as a you can't keep food joke, but to each his own. <laughs> yeah. Let's... Hmm. Let's get into some jokes that we, that, uh, cause this, this film is chocked full of jokes. Yeah. I would like to highlight some, some little touches that I liked. Sure. Uh, so for one, definitely noticed the Mayo Clinic had, was just covered with shelves of jars of mayonnaise, but like a really early within like the first 30 seconds of the film, when they're showing luggage going through like that x-ray conveyor belt, there's like a legit lung x-ray that just shows up for just a flash second in the corner of the screen. And you'll miss it if you're not looking for it, but that's just such a nice little touch. And for me, it screams that someone on the set was like, oh, can we have like an actual x-ray in in this x-ray machine? And they're like, yeah, we'll make it happen. And those are touches that are just so fun to me. And it says that the people who were making this movie, they were having a great time. And I, I love that. So Nick touched on a joke during the, the synopsis. So Stryker is going to get a, a ticket so that he can see Elaine on the plane. And 
it being the 1980s, they asked him smoking or non-smoking because that was a thing you could do. And he says smoking. So they hand him a ticket that is literally smoking. (laughs) (laughs) And he's carrying it all the way until he gets in the plane. He sits down and it is still on fire. Still smoking. It's a great joke. Another one of my like favorite jokes is this old lady who's sitting next to Stryker asks for something light to read while she's going around, pass around magazines. And she gives her a handout that's just famous Jewish sports athletes. And it's like four names. <laughs> a little leaflet, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it, I, I thought it was like more of like a dig, but like there weren't that many unfamous Jewish athletes. Yeah. <laughs> just about. <laughs> There's a lot of little vignettes. They initially wrote it to have commercial parodies in there as well, but they found that the movie itself was pretty good. So they eventually whittled those away and just made the story just the, the airplane story and pumped it full of jokes. There's some yes. naughty jokes in this one too. There are. Does anyone Such have a as... favorite naughty joke? Because because I kind of do. Uh, my favorite naughty joke is... What is your favorite naughty right, joke, well, Caleb? Oh, wait. Well, okay, once again, I did want to talk about... I feel like, like the first half hour of this movie... <laughs> is solid it is such a joyous watching experience and then like the second hour it's not a drag but it's not as fluid as the first hour i don't know i could just be being a jerk but like you know an hour and a half of straight jokes does get kind of tired no matter how good they are and there are some really good jokes at the very end so anyway my my favorite naughty joke in the first 10 minutes when captain over is uh, looking through some magazines and they they have the magazines labeled in like their little gas station store or whatever kind of store air, airports have these days or those days. Uh, and the magazines are labeled fiction, nonfiction and whacking material. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I was like, well, first of all, this is just so surprising that it just made me chuckle. And then I was looking at the magazines they had and I mean, all of those magazines were, quote, whacking material. There was no fiction, nonfiction. They just put it full of, to, to quote the, the mayor's wife in The Music Man, smutty books. I like the did you magazine see that he that... was reading a copy of Modern Sperm? <laughs> yeah, uh, Modern Sperm. I, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh. One of my favorite, like, edgy jokes from it was um, Captain Over, a uh, little boy comes up to the cockpit. <laughs> and captain's over it like starts it out like normal like hey is it just your first time flying and then the next one he says is just have you ever seen an old man naked and he starts hitting on a little kid wouldn't wouldn't fly today but just the, his delivery of it is again they're doing like the serious thing of it or like the serious delivery but he's saying like all these stuff sexually harassing it minor but yeah I still found it funny. Do you like films about gladiators, Jimmy? <laughs> you ever been in a Turkish prison? <laughs> those those sets of lines were the only ones where I was thinking that like, uh, this guy is very cognizant of what he's saying and he looks the slightest bit uncomfortable about it. He was very, yeah, he almost didn't take it because of those jokes. Was yeah. this rated R? This is rated PG because it's 1980 and okay. PG-13 didn't exist yet. Because there's I was not wondering, enough, like violence or cursing or anything to make it R-rated. Well, there's boobs. I was there gonna touch boobs. on that. Uh, out of nowhere, like they first hear the plane's gonna crash, all the cast we already see are just start freaking out, and all of a sudden, just a random girl comes over topless and past the screen, and it's just like, was he just sitting topless in the front of this plane the whole time? We just never saw. Yeah, yeah. presumably. 
<laughs> well, I like the like two people are sword fighting in the cabin right after that. <laughs> yeah. That's my like. All right, Such nobody. By the way, does anyone know how to fly a plane? And they erupt and like. The extras do a pretty good job of being chaotic by themselves, but I love that bit where they're just sword fighting. <laughs> so there's a little girl who needs a heart transplant, which is why we're talking about the Mayo Clinic. And mm-hmm. so she is in the front of the plane uh, in a hospital bed with an IV hooked up. And one of the stewardesses gets a guitar from a nun to sing a song to the little girl and try to cheer her up. And she starts getting really into it. And she turns towards the rest of the plane and knocks out the IV. And the little girl is like fidgeting and twitching out because she's not getting her medicine. <laughs> well, she just happily singing along. <laughs> oh, man, it's so funny. <laughs> I really like the buildup to that song, too, when she's like singing the first verse and all the passengers are looking at each other with that aw look like, oh, and then it cuts to the cockpit where the, the pilot and co-pilot look that way. And then the navigator just looks at the plane like it's a like it's an 80s sitcom and their title card has come up. They just look at them like, straight into camera. Turn. Yeah. <laughs> just one of the jokes that really stuck with me, the kid who was getting hit on by uh, Captain Over, his parents are like sitting together and the stewardess offers him uh, another cup of coffee. And the wife says she'll take one, but her husband won't. Then her husband takes one. And she just like looks off into space like, he never has another cup of coffee at home. And then later on, he vomits and she does the exact same thing and goes, he never vomits at home. <laughs> it just like caught me so off guard. So that- speaking of jokes that don't hold up, that is a direct parody of a U-Band coffee commercial that was playing at the time. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I figured you would know. Like, I did not uh, understand And according that. to some trivia I read, that's actually the same actress from the commercial. Oh. <laughs> she auditioned and just didn't tell them. I guess it's supposed to be the coffee is so good that uh, they're at their friend's house and they offer a second cup of coffee. And um. that's the exact scene plays out. So people saw it in theaters were like, ha, 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 I saw that on TV. <laughs> but now we're like, I don't know what that is. Like, boy, what's going on? Does she think that Another he's good being coffee an intro? Joke. I yes. appreciate is when the young kid <laughs> dressed in his business suit acting like an adult is like, excuse me, would you care to join me for a cup of coffee? And she's like, oh, yes, I would. And they're all very formal and proper. And so he sits down and they have their coffee. And he goes, would you like cream? And she goes, oh, no, I take it black. Like my men. <laughs> Casually <laughs> drinks their coffee. And they're like, eight? In, in, the, the in that ballpark. Face. That kid's face. playing adults is hilarious. Mm-hmm. The kid's face in response to that is my favorite part of that joke. Just like, the, oh, yeah. I'd never had a chance. <laughs> what a mistake. What a fool I was. What a fool. Uh, and I'm just reading my notes again. Okay. Too many. It's like, I'm more favorite jokes, yo. In Elaine's flashback to where Ted and Elaine are on the beach, and they're have, laughing, having a good time, and... They're lying down, rolling on the beach. Big waves just come and, like, demolish them. And they have all this seaweed around them. It's some good tone setting for the rest of the scene. But it's when Stryker says, I got my orders. We're bombing storage depots at Daiquiri at 1,800 hours. We're coming in from the north under their radar. And Elaine's like, when will you be back? And he's like, well, it's classified. I can't tell you that. It's too secret. I, miss, I definitely missed that the first time, but the second time, I thought that was so funny. I love those misdirection jokes. They do that later when they're like, 
Uh, we need to get these people to a hospital. A hospital? What is it? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. <laughs> yeah, I love the literal jokes that they do all the time. They're in the plane uh, and the people in the tower trying to guide them talk about it's coming up all instruments and it flashes a plane and they're just all doing like a jazz band in the cockpit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that was a really good joke that broke up like the, like the tension of that scene. Pace. Yeah. It sort or, of um, seems to be, I don't know. I kind of want to bring it back. Do you guys think that I'm off kilter here with thinking like the last 45 minutes is not as exciting as the first? I think exciting in the plane. Joke wise or how do you mean? Just like it's not as fun to get through. Hmm. Do you guys feel that, or is it just me being a jerk? I feel like they had to get the plot finally. You know, like oh, we have to land this. We have to end this movie. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) they had to throw in more tension, and there's less like vignettes and cutting away. You really focus on Striker and the tower. I felt that the plane started getting a little like okay because they kept repeating jokes to do the set of three. But the people in the tower were very refreshing that they came in halfway through and then it turned into, um, they had their own little side stuff going on. You guys want to talk about Johnny? Yeah, we didn't talk about Johnny. <laughs> For what they gave him, I loved it. It was just such an energetic performance. It was like, How about some coffee, Johnny? Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I heard all ad-libbed everything he said. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, I could, which would so explain the Rapunzel bit. Yeah. <laughs> There's a sale at Pennies. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite kind of joke is uh, it's like a pretty well used joke since then but like everyone's reading a newspaper like oh, have you seen this and it's like the what story stuff is going on and someone's like oh it's a coupon. <laughs> yeah. I do love how again with the literal wordplay that they would use some reporters come into the news tower in order to like write the newspaper that they read and they go, let's get, let's get some pictures before we leave. And they literally go up and grab pictures off the wall. (laughs) 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 Did did anyone else get nostalgic about that scene when they're driving uh, Rex Kramer back to the airport and they have that really bad car green screen combo? Yeah, they got the rear for some going. reason, it just reminds me of old-fashioned movies that I really love. And so the whole time, you're just watching that green screen, and then they swap to, like, there's a bunch of horses chasing him. And the road just uh, gets progressively windier. It's, yeah, it's, he's following the road pretty good, and then the road gets super windy, and he's not turning at all. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, and then they swap in a bunch of horses and a bunch of other crazy stuff behind him. There are some oh, man. So the scene in Rex Kramer's house where there's all this mirror stuff back and forth to see like what's going on in the living room while they're standing in the hall. And then he's talking with his wife. And he's like, all right, I got to go. And he walks through the mirror to leave. Oh man, that was just a great setup for a joke. I think I missed that. I've, I've good one. three times. How did I miss it? It's a quick joke. It's, mm-hmm. he's just like, all right, I'm going to go. Cause it looks like she's talking off towards camera and he is in the mirror but he's actually behind her just in a doorway that looks like a mirror and he walks through the, oh. through the mirror. It's really funny. How it was set up because originally it was him looking at himself in the mirror and you can see both of them. And then it flashed to the mm-hmm. dude just getting destroyed by the dog. And then when it comes back, it looks like the same shot, but you just don't see him in front. And then he just goes, all right, let's go. And walks through the door. Yeah. So good. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> there are some jokes in this movie that I felt like went on a little too long in ways. 
when he does the flashback to the Saturday Night Fever thing, and they had uh, Girl Scouts fighting, he, he ends up starting off at, you have to be able to know your, how to use your fists in order to come into this bar. Fight breaks out almost every night. night. And two Girl Scouts are playing poker, and one flips over her hand, she was cheating, so they start doing a fist fight. But during the entire flashback, they're constantly fighting. And like it's funny at first, it's like, hey, Girl Scouts fighting. But then like every time you see them, they continue to do the fight, and it's sort of just like, I wanted to talk about that fight because that fight scene was pretty good. Oh, yeah. Like, it looked like those girls mm-hmm. were landing. They were throwing breakaway bottles at each other and throwing chairs. And it, it just looked violent. And, it, yeah. yeah, these two Girl Scouts. Yeah, that is, that's the best part is, like, probably, like, the second third of that fight when they break the bottle over her head and then the second one grabs a chair. Uh, it was some really good prop work there. Yeah, the man. more that it looks like it hurts, the better that fight scene gets. And because otherwise, I'm kind of with Nick. That, that scene is like something that sounds really funny on paper, like or when you're writing it in the writer's room. But as soon as you film it, it sort of just becomes par for the course, I guess. Because mm-hmm. there's definitely funnier jokes in, in that uh, flashback. Definitely, but it does... I think it pays off because they cut back to them three times. Again, rule of threes. Mm-hmm. And by the end, you're like, this dance is going on and on and on. And then the <laughs> girls break into that scene again. And it breaks up the, the monotony of that scene. Yeah, they're just slow dancing. And all of a sudden, one girl's guy just comes flying in from the side. The dance sequence has some delightfully terrible cowboy switch going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where they'll flip away a stunt actor. And then the real actor will jump in and they don't cover it very well. Probably intentionally for the joke, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's really funny. Yeah, when Elaine yeah, jumps I... into his arms, <laughs> when he throws Elaine up in the air and she never comes down. Then all of a sudden she just like comes running out from the side. She, she doesn't come down from the screen or down yeah. the screen. She just jumps off from le- like scene left into his arms. It's like, wait, where'd, where'd she come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she and... just jumps up. <laughs> And for all their efforts, they could not make the interior hazy enough to disguise the harness strings. <laughs> like, they, like, they tried their best, but, like, when they're flipping around or Elaine's, like, pinwheeling striker in a circle by just holding his ankles. And he, or when he's doing that, uh, doing a little bit of break dancing, or is that a, is that a Jewish yeah, like wedding dance? Yeah, the Russian dance. dance. Yeah, the, the Russian dance there. And, like, he starts juggling. I really like that, but... Once, once you see the harness, you can't unsee it. And I wonder, again, if that's just the limitation of the budget or if that was just a joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't mind either way. They're not, yeah, they're not things. above leaving it in there. Mm-hmm. I thought, personally, it was part of the joke because of how he was so calm while doing it. Like, he knew, he, you saw yeah. he was not moving, but he was just, like, sitting there, like, like yeah. smiling while doing it. No exertion at all. <laughs> yeah. He looked like he was in a baby chair. You know those baby chairs <laughs> that like hook onto the the doorway, and yeah. you can just like use their legs and bounce on it. That's what he looked mm-hmm. like. It was good. I love how they like kept making fun of disco throughout the whole thing too. The whole point of like disco dancing with someone else is someone doesn't move and you copy them as fast as possible. And the guy, a guy gets a knife in his back and starts like pointing to the knife, and Elaine just keeps doing the same movement he's doing, like pointing to the knife, like yeah, it's so fun, yeah. And then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> during the first descent of the plane when they're going through Chicago. There's a radio station saying, here at VAV, or WVAV, we will play disco forever. Disco will never die. And the plane immediately takes out the antenna and it just shuts down. Yeah, I didn't uh, even actually, notice. it's KCAZ or Zucker Abrams Zucker. Ah. But yeah, they are 
it was the 1980s. Disco was over. Yes. There was that event where it was. I like in the, in the disco scene, there is some classic throwing things off the screen sound effects. He, at one point, he throws his hat and does the... And somebody throws the hat back. And then he takes off his jacket and he throws it. And then somebody throws the jacket right back at him. Because, I don't want your jacket. <laughs> and also earlier in the scene when the, the guy gets stabbed, he gets stabbed with like the cartoonish like... Yeah. That's <laughs> a very goofy scene and it's probably my favorite flashback. I mean, there is like... Uh, my my mistake lead, led to the death of six men. Oh, seven. Uh, Zip died this morning. <laughs> is so there's another flashback in the army hospital. I really like that he's painting this picture of this army guy coming out of a jeep with an explosion behind him with one of his legs behind his head holding a chicken and a knife or whatever. And you hear it off screen. Hey, Stryker, can I take a break? I'm getting tired. And he goes, yeah, go ahead. And it cuts to that exact scene of a guy <laughs> with his thing behind his head in front of a jeep. They, they have a double down on absurdity. Like yeah. one that he's painting in his hospital bed. And then also that the scene is real. It's great. Yeah, he's painting not from memory or imagination, just from what's in front of him. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, just a little Broadway thing. He like pans over to one of his hurt comrades and they believe they're Ethel Merman. <laughs> Starts breaking out into the Gypsy Rose dance. <laughs> What's going on with all these patients? Oh, this guy's got shell shock and this guy, he thinks he's Ethel Merman. <laughs> and they actually got Ethel Merman, which was cool. Yeah. It's great. It's like the Star Wars special getting B. Arthur. Exactly. I do like how the directors some of the jokes they did were just taking small things that you think of everyday things and just expanding them to a whole nother level like they turn on the air in the plane like the little like screw thing that just gives you a little bit of air and it's like someone opened a window and there's like a little tornado in there every papers are flying everywhere because when you're the only person who turns it on in a plane it is so loud and that thing produces way too much air for what you need like one of the first times I ever flew, someone behind me in my chair had left the light, had uh, not the light, uh, left the air conditioning on. And I thought that it was the engine when like I was like seven or something. This plane is really loud. And then my dad corked the air conditioning. I was like, oh, wow, it is staggeringly loud. It's so pressurized. Sorry, there's a fly in here. I've, I've had to, my camera can't pick it up. I got such a crappy camera, but there's a fly in my room and I've had to do like dumb karate to ward it off. Another uh, joke that was similar to that was they go to baggage claim and instead of the bags around the carousel, it's people who come down on the carousel and start going around and their bags are just lined up around it. Yeah. Waiting for them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. The co-pilot is played by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And when the kid comes into the cockpit, he's like, wow, you're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm Captain Murdoch, <laughs> Roger Murdoch. And he proceeds to tell him how he thinks he's great, but his dad thinks he doesn't work hard enough and he only shows up for the playoffs and everything. <laughs> and he just breaks character and goes, listen here, you little punk. You tell your dad that <laughs> I work my buns off every night. Goes off on this kid. I actually, the first time I saw this movie, I was like maybe 12 or 13 or something. So I like didn't catch what was going on really. So I didn't know who Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was. Looking back, like, that was a really good bit. And he does pretty good because he was just a basketball player, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't do much film. 
Well, he was in number one. Uh, Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee. He's the he's the giant guy he fights in that movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah, used to train yeah. with Bruce Lee. Hmm. Oh, you guys, he has like thirty-eight actor credits. Yeah, he's the he's Never the first mind. person that comes up in the IMDb airplane, but which is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Hey, speaking think, of yeah, because the credits Google were Shacks. listed alphabetically. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, they just really like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> speaking of IMDb, you know the autopilot has its own IMDb page. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, it's just credited credits. as Auto, and his, he has his own biography. Auto is one of the most iconic movie objects of all time. Not only recognized by audiences around the world for his performance in Airplane, but he also has a profile page on IMDb along with other cultural icons like Wilson the Volleyball and Ronald McDonald, and then et cetera, et cetera. And down at the bottom, it's a little is known about his fate and other projects, except that he disintegrated in Jerry Zucker's garage some years after his famous film role. I heard that. I saw that he was credited as being an airplane and an episode of Mythbusters. Yeah, I see that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's archival footage or... One episode in 2007. So season four. So for all you film nerds out there, Mythbusters season four, go check out whatever they got going over there. I liked that bit where like the soldiers going off to war on the airplane and he's seeing his sweetheart off and there's a train conductor. like, you better get on son. And the captain puts the plane in gear. I love that by the way, that the plane has an, an old manual transmission. And then she's like, don't forget to ride. It's like, I will, darling. And she, she runs into like one of the pylons on the runway. It's like, ooh, I'll, I'll write every week, I swear. And he's like, hey, remember me by your watch. But you can't. No, I can't. It doesn't work. <laughs> I just want to take a moment to like gush about Leslie Nielsen a little bit more. Let's do this it. He... First of all, his delivery is one of my, like, I want to be able to do that at one point in my career. <laughs> I would break saying half the things he said. Like they're asking what he had for, or what there were the options were for dinner. It's like they had, we had fish and steak, and he goes, "Ah, I remember, I had the lasagna." <laughs> and it's just stuff you line. don't think about. Yeah. Or uh, Stryker's like talking to Leslie's character and the other flight attendant, and he says something, and then says all together afterward, and they just repeat it to him. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a different kind of flying. All together, flying all together. Yeah. <laughs> The dis- completely it's an entirely different, different kind of flying. <laughs> yeah, or like the, the I like the obvious jokes. It's like, oh, I think this man next to me is a doctor. Oh, excuse me, sir. I'm sorry to wake you. Are you a doctor? And he's wearing like a stethoscope. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, I'm a doctor. <laughs> so many random throwaway gags in this. Like at one point, Leslie Nielsen is just giving a girl like um a gynecologist appointment. She's up in like the stirrups <laughs> and everything, and it's just it's, it's like five seconds, and he looks at her. What's going on here? Yeah. Oh, I thought he was delivering song. a baby. Either way. Mm. <laughs> the point is, he was face in crotch. <laughs> he looked like he had a stapler in his hand. And he, he did the, the speculum. Oh, yeah, is that what that is? Open. I, wouldn't I like that Stryker, after suffering his, his war trauma, he developed a drinking problem. Not so much that he drinks alcohol, it's just that he can't physically drink anymore. He keeps splashing in his face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you can see the origins of that, actually, in the, the bar disco scene, when the, the Girl Scout gets thrown a- across the entire bar and they all lift their drinks. And Stryker's the only one who like lifts his drink up and it hits his temple with it. 
So who knows? Could have been intentional. Could have been not. I rewound it a couple of times. Too close to tell. But, uh, yeah. I mean, you go into this thing knowing what gags you want to set up. So it's not too far out of the question to assume that these guys are pretty smart. This had super dark, super dirty humor at points. Captain Over's wife gets a call, and she's in bed with a horse. And they're playing it off like they just had sex, yeah. and it was like a one-night stand. <laughs> I was wondering, how did they get that horse in that bed? And then to just uh, like, yeah. probably like, animal abuse, because, you know. Like, they had fish suffocating on the, the beach, so. A dirty it's joke I really appreciate is one of the times when the plane is dealing with some turbulence because no one's at the controls and the plane's shaking and it shows a piece of jello jiggling and then it pans over and it's just the boobies jiggling <laughs> because that's a delightful joke. <laughs> <laughs> they really commit to like the plane being in high turbulence whenever they have the autopilot going on and the autopilot slips for just a second, the camera all of a sudden is shaking like there's an intense earthquake. What was the, what was that bit that I wanted to talk about? When the autopilot starts deflating. The autopilot is a blow-up doll and he starts deflating and Elaine's in the other pilot seat and she's on the comm with people in the tower and they're telling her how to like reinflate it. And it turns out there's a little tube right on the belt buckle of the autopilot. So she has to go down and blow on a tube. And you know what that means. Manually. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think the funny part of that joke is the after bit when they're both smoking. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I remembered what I wanted to say with like the camera shake is when, when they're landing the plane and the doctor already before they landed is like, I just wanted to wish you all good luck. We're all counting on you. And then later when they're just landing the plane, <laughs> they've already hit the runway and the doctor comes up. I just want to wish you good luck. We're all counting on you. Um, it's like this earth shakingly magnitudinous camera shake. It's, <laughs> it's great. It's a big tension cutter, but I mean, you know, you don't watch this for the tension. And Leslie Nielsen comes in a third time after they already landed just to say, I just want you guys to know, good luck. When it's just, the action's <laughs> already on. over and it's just in the resolution. <laughs> also, the real like, tension. Also, Skipper's like sweating between. buckets. And then the next scene, he is completely dry. <laughs> that, that bit when he's just like sweating completely and he's completely drenched. That should be a gif. Is that a gif? I think you have to imagine people don't think about that anymore when they think of someone excessively sweating because Key and Peele did like a similar thing. Oh yeah, and that's been they like a did. Sure they got that. Well, Caleb, mm-hmm. when we get our social medias, make that gif and be like, yeah, when it's time to start podcasting or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I do have this. plans on how to outsource mostly who to outsource our social media to. Don't laugh. You used to work on the same staff. Oh, it is a gift. Got it. Uh, <laughs> I found it. Everything's a gift, dude. Yeah, it is. But whether it's been made before and is available for easy consumption, that's what mm. I want to know. Because I haven't made one yet. It looks a little bit too difficult for me to do quickly. One last thing I like wanted to bring up was we talked earlier about how it was very encompassing on many races that they made fun of. But when they made fun of the spanish there's like all these like buttons would come on it'd be in english above and then spanish below and my favorite one was it saying no smoking and then in spanish it goes el no you a smoko <laughs> it's just Classic. scuffed spanglish 
I saw it more as uh, Italian because it was like, please take your seats. You sit down in the seat there. You know, <laughs> you sit down in the seat. It does sound a little bit more Italian. It makes it yeah. somehow less offensive. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You want to wrap up then, fellas? I think we've talked <laughs> all of my notes, all my favorite jokes. Okay, do we have anything else to add? Oh, when Stryker's telling his stories to the people and they all give that like, oh, here we go, look. The very cruel ways which they, they off themselves rather than listen to his stories. <laughs> He's that, so that's boring. That's some, some good comedy cruelty that I think most people would be really, would, would be giddy at. Gives me a chuckle every time. Especially that old lady. She's got a really good, oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. have to listen to your stories. So these uh, movies by these guys generally will have silly credits going on. I don't know if anybody saw the credits. Oh, like the first two people. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be like an 80s credits where it's like freeze frame. So I didn't watch it. No, the actual scrolling credits. <gasps> there weren't as many in this one as they have in later films. But one of the credits was generally in charge of a lot of things. Someone's name. And uh, one of the credits was author of Tale of Two Cities, Charles Dickens. That was fun. A little bit. Did anybody stick around long enough to see the stinger scene? I did not. Uh, I oh, feel man. bad. So, at the very end, the very beginning of the movie, Stryker is introduced as a cab driver who gets a fare and he says, I'll be right back and sets the meter. And at the very end of the movie, the guy's still sitting there. The meter's at like $11,000. He's like, I'm going to give this guy 20 more minutes and then I'm going to leave. I did see that. <laughs> I like how he, why, who starts the meter when you're leaving the cab? <laughs> like he leaves and then he like comes back. He's like, oh yeah, I have to start this. And then walks away again. Cab companies. Yeah. <laughs> they do that. I was taking a cab once and it was like six blocks. It took like five minutes. It cost me 20 bucks. Like wow. I should have walked that. And it seemed like the guy was like intentionally driving slow through this parking lot at night just to extend that meter. And, but I had a lot of luggage with me, so I really couldn't walk it realistically, but it, it, I don't know. The last time I took a cab, the guy complained about Uber the whole time. And I'm like, you guys aren't really making me want to ride with you if you're just complaining and being negative this whole time. To be honest, I've never taken a cab. Even when I was in New York, I just Ubered. Because uh, I'm very scared, and that means I have to carry cash in New York, and I'm not about that. All right, so that was our discussion on Airplane, a great comedy film we all enjoyed. Remember to follow us on all the social medias and get our Patreon and all that good fake business that we haven't actually done. Our next movie is going to be picked by Nick. What are we watching next week, Nick? Next week, we're going to be watching In This Corner of the World. It's an anime movie about a girl who lives in Hiroshima in 1940s japan well that's gonna be fun i as a tear (laughs) already i'm looking forward to it with great expectation it'll be a good one until next week fellas see you later bye everybody bye everyone